I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though this body be destroyed, yet shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not as a stranger. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For if we live, we live unto the Lord, and if we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, even so saith the Spirit, for they rest from their labors. We invite everyone to join us in the singing of hymn 362, which you'll find in the blue hymnal in the pew back in front of you.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose mercies cannot be numbered, accept our prayers on behalf of thy servant Terry and grant him an entrance into the land of light and joy in the fellowship of thy saints through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Jill, you're first. I'd like to read the following for you, a little poetry. This is called Death is Nothing at All by Henry Scott Holland. I have only slipped away into the next room. Everything remains exactly as it was. I am I and you are you. The old life that we live so fondly together is untouched, unchanged. Whatever we were to each other, that we are still. Call me by my old familiar name. Speak of me in the easy way which you'd always used to. Put no difference in your tone. Wear no forced air of solemnity or sorrow. Laugh as we always laughed at the little jokes that we enjoyed together. Play, smile, think of me, pray for me. Let my name be ever the household word that it always was. Let it be spoken without an effort, without a ghost of a shadow upon it. Life means all that it ever meant. It is the same as it ever was. There is absolute and unbroken continuity. Why should I be out of mind because I am out of sight? I am but waiting for you, for the, for the interval, somewhere very near, just around the corner. All is well. <clears throat> Do not stand by my grave and weep. This is by Mary Elizabeth Fry. Do not stand by my grave and weep. I'm not there. I do not sleep. I am a thousand winds that blow. I am the diamond glints on snow. I am the sunlight on ripened grain. I am the gentle autumn rain. When you awaken on the morning's hush, I am the swift uplifting rush of birds in circled flight. I am the soft stars that shine at night. Do not stand at my grave and, die, and cry. I am not there. I did not die. Thank you for being here. Your attendance is very important to our family. I'm Terry's daughter, Jill Yamauchi. This is my husband, C.B. Boswell, and Terry's only grandchild, Avery Allison Boswell. We live in St. Louis, Missouri. 
Terry Yamauchi was a child during World War II. He and his mom were interned at a Japanese relocation camp in Minidoka, Idaho, while his father was serving our country in Italy with the 442nd Battlement. At the same time, his grandfather was held in an internment camp in Jerome, Arkansas. It could not have been easy growing up during this time as a Japanese American, yet dad was a patriot. His parents never talked about the war. His family just worked harder. Dad was happy, positive, encouraging, and philanthropic to others, despite the conditions his family endured. Being Japanese was never a hindrance. The greatest of all time, the GOAT, Terry Yamauchi. Our dad, husband, grandpa, doctor, friend, teammate, and teacher. My dad and I talked a lot about the GOATs, Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, and what made them the greatest of all time. Our dad was the GOAT in caring. This year, when plotting New Year's resolutions, I asked him, what's your word of the year? Without hesitation, he said, care. Dad cared about everyone. We felt it every day. He was constantly handwriting notes to friends, family, and coworkers. When I was at gymnastics camp, I got a letter every day. When I was away at college, I received a weekly handwritten note. Most of the letters just documented daily trivial things like, it's Sunday, I mowed the lawn and pulled 100 weeds. All these years in St. Louis, I've gotten hundreds of caring messages. Avery, Terry's granddaughter, was also a recipient of these weekly missives. We always knew from the baseball sticker on the back of the envelope that he had sent it. We sure do miss those letters. Our dad was a voracious reader and read more books than anyone we knew. He read every day and every night. Sometimes he would call and say he was reading three books at the same time, and he had stayed up until 3 a.m. reading. He would send friends and family books he loved and frequented the local bookstore on a regular basis. His cousin Rolly said, Terry was my book mentor, the leader of the two-man book club. Rolly was always excited when a brown envelope from 4900 Crestwood arrived because he knew there was a reading treasure inside from his cousin Terry. Dad cut clippings from newspapers, magazines, and comic strips if an article reminded him of someone or he thought a friend might be interested in the subject. It's evident how much Dad cared about kids through his years as a pediatrician and teaching medical students and residents how to care for patients. What you might not know is how much Dad gave anonymously. Whenever he saw a veteran or active military in a restaurant, he would quietly buy their meals and they never knew who picked up the tab. Dad often traveled to schools around Arkansas. At some schools, he saw kids writing on paper towels used to wash their hands. He recognized how important education was and provided supplies for the neediest schools in town. He did all this without recognition. It was just because he cared. One summer, he was visiting an elementary school and saw kids sitting on the front steps outside. He asked the boy what he was doing. The boy said he was hungry and was hoping to get lunch. It was the only meal he got each day. This gave Dad the idea to start a cereal drive at Arkansas Children's Hospital and at the softball fields. He asked friends, neighbors, coworkers, and ballplayers to donate boxes of cereal so kids could eat a meal during the summer months when the school kitchens were closed. One year, he was Don the Cereal King, and someone made him a crown out of a cereal box. He gave sporting equipment to the boys' club. He knew there were kids in Arkansas that couldn't play sports due to lack of equipment. He gave gloves, baseballs, and hats. It was important to him to be philanthropic, philanthropic and in many times anonymously. 
Dad traveled a lot for work. He always cared about the folks at the airport. He would bring donuts to the Skycabs and always gave out hams at Christmas. They created an award for him, the Little Rock Airport Porter's Special Appreciation Award. Mm. Dad gave free physicals for kids wanting to play sports. If a school needed a doctor, Dad readily volunteered his time. Dad cared about the neighborhood kids. I was, remember growing up on St. Andrew's Drive. The kids would ring the doorbell and ask, can your dad come out and play? Dad was always willing to play catch or be the pitcher for a neighborhood baseball game. In his current neighborhood, in Jeffrey's neighborhood, he always found ways to show he cared, gifting kids for their birthday, Halloween, Christmas, etc. He was always thinking about others and making them feel good. He taught us how to work hard. Every year for decades, Dad put in a full day of work at the hospital and came home with a briefcase of homework. Seven days a week after dinner, he would pop open his briefcase and work until midnight or later. Although we remember him working really hard, we don't remember him missing an event. I asked my mom recently if Dad was ever overwhelmed or stressed out about all the work he did, or if he ever got nervous about speaking publicly, and she said no. Dad liked to work and loved to teach. I've always been fascinated with his list of things to do. He wrote on a yellow legal pad in microscopic handwriting. Every to-do had a subset of to-dos, and each week he listed what he needed to do each day. Every day and every week he calculated the percent he finished. Sometimes he would track the percent he got done in the a.m. and the percent he got done in the p.m. To this day, this fascinates me. Dad was third-generation Japanese-American. Sansei. Culturally, we didn't follow very many Japanese traditions. However, every night we had Japanese sticky rice, the kind no one but Japanese ate back in the day, way before sushi was cool. I remember my husband visiting Little Rock for the first time and said, ooh, sticky rice. When I asked CV what to say about our dad, he said he was so personable and could talk to anyone and make them feel comfortable. He really connected with people. I'm sure that's why he was the goat of public speaking. He had charisma and really knew how to work a room. To this day, I've never seen a better public speaker than Terry Yamauchi. Dad had so many hobbies. He loved magic. We remember him tearing up a newspaper and magically it became whole again. He loved entering contests. He would enter thousands of contests each year. He would fill out entry forms and drive all over Little Rock, depositing them in different post office boxes. He thought it would increase his odds in winning if entries came from different zip codes. And when he did, a car, a trip, a stair stepper, etc. It was his dream to win a car, and he did. Even the postman knew he was entering contests daily from the big stack of entry forms in our mailbox each day. Dad was a lifelong learner. He signed up for the FBI Citizens Academy in his, in his 70s and was one of the best shots of his class. Dad was a true sportsman. He loved sports, running, basketball, tennis, golf, fishing, hunting. But boy, did he love baseball and softball. He played in the College World Series where his team came in second and was an L.A. Dodgers scout. I remember Dad excited like a little kid when he signed up for fantasy baseball camp. He got to wear an authentic L.A. Dodgers uniform and play with his idols. He even got a baseball card with his picture on the front. He put on the back of the card that his nickname was Slick. I'm not sure where that came from. One of his bucket list goals was to win a world championship. I think this is right, 2015 or 2018 Team Arkansas won. 
The softball teams, the Bushwhackers and Team Arkansas, thank you. You meant the world to him. As Dad slowed down, you always helped him get from game to game or lunch to lunch. Our family is forever grateful for your friendship and care. He loved you. We always knew not to call Dad Monday nights because that was reserved for his friends at the Faded Rose. They called themselves the Rosebuds. Dad was really easy to talk to. I shared everything with him, probably more than I should. We talked almost every day, and he helped me solve business decisions, provided parenting advice, and helped me work through hard things, and was always guiding me with so much care. Sometimes he just listened. He took HIPAA to a personal level. If you, can confided in him, if you confided in him, you can be darn sure he didn't tell anyone. A secret was a secret. Scout's honor. Dad was wise, an excellent listener, and a great storyteller. He was perfect. Or as he would say, perfect. I remember my mom and dad watching my mom and dad dance. Rock and roll and slow dancing. Both were always game to dance, whether at a party or in the kitchen. He loved to begin special occasions with Bombay sapphire gin with three big Gibson onions and liked to end his meal with an ice-cold Jersey highball. That's a big glass of milk. He is now our angel, cheering us on. Remember his big warm smile, his hearty laugh, his quick wit and sense of humor. He loved life and he loved you. I want to thank a few people for their exceptional care. Master Sergeant, Curtis Harris retired, and his team of angels who cared for our dad 24-7 the last weeks of his life. Thank you to Jennifer Ward, Shadrika Harris, Alexis Harris, Tamara Ross, John May, May Roberts, Patricia Trailer, and Faye Camp. Your care was exceptional. Thank you. Thank you, Mom, for being the world's greatest mom, but especially for being Dad's everything. One day in the, ho- one day in the hospital, someone asked Dad, What does your wife do? Dad said, everything. Mom, please know you were Dad's everything, and you are still our everything. Thank you to my brother, Jeffrey. For years, Jeff has taken care of my parents, running errands, grocery shopping, cooking meals, driving, lifting heavy things. Dad would call me and always say, Jeff is so helpful. I don't know what we would do without Jeff. He's so good to us. Jeffrey, Your thoughtfulness, care, and generosity must be recognized. As we move forward from today, please remember my mom, Allison, and brother, Jeffrey. They will need your care. Please check in on them. At the end of your life, it really doesn't matter what you accomplished or how thick your resume. What really matters is how much you cared and how you made someone feel. I would say Terry Yamauchi lived a full life because he cared. Thank you. Hello, thank you all for coming. My name is Avery and I am Terry's granddaughter. My grandfather was an incredible man. He was kind and warm to all. It was always easy to see his kindness from the crinkle of his eyes when he smiled to the warm chuckles when someone made him laugh. Recently, we found a book that he wrote that includes my memorable moments with him, one of which being how I called him Grandpa Teriyaki. Another instance mentioned was when my grandpa was telling me about his senior softball team. He always made sure I knew how big of a softball guy he was, and I saw countless pictures of the team. One time when I was little, I saw a picture with my grandpa in flip-flops, and I asked him what position he played. 
When he told me he didn't play, I asked him if he was the mascot, and he just laughed. As shown with this book, my grandpa was a big writer, and I saw that in the form of weekly notes. These letters were updates on his life, my grandma Allie, my uncle, and the dogs. Today, I thought I would compose my own letter back to him. Dear Grandpa, thank you. Thank you for being there for me, and even if you weren't present due to distance, you made yourself present with all of your letters. I loved getting updates on how everything was going and on the minute details like what Allie was making for dinner that night. So here's a little update on me. I finished my semester strong, and I just got accepted to the college I want to go to. I know that you would have wanted to be here for me to tell you, and I miss you. I think about your absence every day, and I wish I could see you again. I knew when I left that it would be the last time I ever saw you, and I wish it didn't have to be. You've always supported me, and I'm so grateful I got to call you my grandpa. Love, Avery. I'm an old buddy of uh, Terry's, and I think to stand here and recite a litany of Terry's uh, good qualities and accomplishments would be pretty sterile. And for this crowd, it'd be useless because you wouldn't be here if you didn't know all of those. Now, um, among all of his good qualities, there is one attribute Terry had that has been uh, ignored or at least uh, underreported. Terry could not sing. <laughs> he had a terrible singing voice. Now there's some background I'll need to give, but it did give credence to a comment that I'd made to Terry years before this event. I, I, I commented to him that I thought that the Japanese invention of the karaoke machine was their way of getting back at us for Nagasaki, and I think Terry gave some proof to that. Um, <laughs> There is uh, some background that needs to be given. We all know that Terry loved baseball and softball. And uh, I never met any of the Bushwhacker team until today, but I heard about them all the time from Terry. And uh, he would refer to them as his team when I first knew him. And I finally said, well, uh, Terry just... What do you do with your, do you play? I said, from what you told me about these guys, they're all strong and, uh, well, I say young. After meeting some of them, they aren't young. But he said they're, they're strong, they're great athletes. They can evidently hit the ball out of the park at will. And I said, I know you're too bummed. You can't possibly play with them. So, so what do you do? He said, well, you're right. I don't actually play. 
I said, well, is, what do you mean it's your team? What do you do with them? And he said, well, I'm the uh, third base coach. I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. I said, well, how does that work? What do you do? He says, well, during the games, I stand at third base, and I shout instructions to them that they all completely ignore. <laughs> I said, I got it. So um, as background for uh, my comment about Terry's <coughs> singing, I'd known Terry for years before I had the misfortune of witnessing this particular disability of his. Um, you all know that he loved baseball. At one time in the 80s, um, he met a fella whom he befriended, a doctor in Reno, Nevada, named Andy Cameron, who was also a baseball nut. So he and Terry immediately hit it off, and as they spoke and got to know each other, Andy Cameron told Terry that he wanted to start his own fantasy baseball camp. They would be held uh, once for one week out in Reno, Nevada, every summer, and uh, Terry was a charter member of this newly formed fantasy camp, and Andy had told him early on, he said, I, there are two unique aspects to it. He said, number one, it will not be affiliated with an existing pro team, which is most of the fantasy teams, or all of them at that time were. He said, what I will do is I will recruit, bring in retired baseball players, guys that we knew when we were younger and idolized that were, uh, you know, everybody knew their name in the baseball world back in their heyday. So I'm going to get retired guys and that'll be fun, and instead of uh, being affiliated with an existing team. And he said the second unique aspect is that it will only be for doctors. You have to be an MD to attend this, to be a camper. And so that was the way this camp started off. And Terry, as I say, was a charter member and an old buddy of his from med school named Mike Kaback from California. He, was, he joined Terry in kicking off this fantasy baseball camp in Reno. Well, after a couple of years, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, it was decided, and I'm sure with uh, Terry's advice and consent or more, uh, Andy uh, Cameron decided that they were going to lower the standards substantially to qualify as a camper, uh, and they were going to allow common people <laughs> to be campers, people like lawyers, you know, architects, uh, engineers, businessmen. Uh, hence, uh, our, most of our Little Rock team that went uh, qualified under this lowered entrance standard, and I think Avery, uh, you may have wanted to take a, you know, a hint from your granddad about applying for college under these circumstances because he, so they lowered the standards, and uh, so uh, several of us uh, in Little Rock signed up, and of course, as we all know, Terry was an organizer. He loved to organize people. And now I, I, I specify people. 
he did not like to organize things. Anybody who walked into his <laughs> office knew that immediately. Uh, it was a disaster. But he loved organizing people. So he decided after this fantasy camp got going that he would um, put together a Little Rock team. That was not the case at the time. All of the doctors that showed up at this uh, camp, it was kind of a scattershot from all over the country. And um, they were still primarily doctors. So Terry put together a Little Rock team and we would go out to the camp every summer as a unit, I, I guess. And uh, it'd be six to ten of us every summer. And, um, and we were called the War Wontons. Now, the provenance of that name, there's some dispute. Uh, we all suspect that alcohol was somehow involved in the naming, but... Uh, I'll, you can ask some of the war wontons here in the group uh, what their version. But anyway, the, the Little Rock war wontons would trek out to uh, Reno every year for this one-week camp and uh, act like we knew how to play baseball. Uh, many of them actually had been good. Um, I never suffered from that disability. I was never good. Uh, so we would go out there and play baseball for a week. And again, given Terry's penchant for organization, after a few years, he, he thought that it would be a really keen idea to bring some novelty, to have the Little Rock group bring some novelty to the, uh, to the week's events. And so he would recruit somebody from, uh, from the team to come up with an idea for some entertainment or an event, uh, uh, you know, courtesy of the Little Rock War Wontons. Uh, uh, for instance, one of the early on ones was, and where is Dan? He recruited Dan Kohler, musician, to put together a rock and roll band made up of the, um, of the campers to perform the last dinner, the big dinner of the night the last night of the camp. And uh, that went well. I think uh, Dan is still waiting for that call from David Geffen for a record deal. But, you know, it's, it's only been 30 years, so there's still time. And, and one year he recruited me. He said, just, you know, see what you can come up with. And so I thought it'd be a, a clever thing to have a skydiver on the last day of the of the week when the pros played the campers on the last day to have a skydiver uh, as we're starting the game to land on the pitcher's mound as the national anthem is being finished up singing and Terry uh, approved of it and so the first day of that year's camp uh, Terry and I had arranged for us to meet with this skydiver and uh, we went to his office, which was at the local FBO. It's in a Quonset hut. His name was Clyde something. Uh, Clyde, uh, Terry quickly came up with a nickname for him, Clyde the Glide, because Clyde was, he was a fine enough fella, but communicating with him 
was uh, a little odd. He had a little different twist to him. Terry suspected it was one too many hard landings. Uh, but anyway, he agreed to do, uh, to, to do this, to pull this off. And so again, the plan was that he would uh, land uh, on the pitcher's mound the last, uh, at the last game. And uh, Terry provided him an Arkansas Travelers uh, baseball uniform to wear in, during this dramatic <laughs> entry. And uh, the, the, the mistake that occurred was that the, uh, the plan was from Clyde to Glide that one of us needed to be in communication with the, air, with the pilot of the, well, I'm sure, Jeff, there's a term for the pilot of the jump plane or whatever you call it. Is that a good enough? Okay. So the pilot of the jump plane would be in communication with me, so I would, when he would tell me when Clyde had made his jump, so that I could cue Terry, who was going to lead us in the national anthem. So Terry had the only microphone for the PA system, and I was going to cue him. So I'm over with my radio talking to the pilot as I see the plane approach. And it's noisy, and the communication isn't real clear. And so, and by the way, at this last game, it's, uh, we try to act like it's a real game, like a professional deal. Everybody shows up in a new uniform. The pros would line up along the third baseline. The campers would all be lined up along the first baseline uh, at, before we started the game and act like, again, we knew what we were doing. And of course, we would sing the national anthem. And now, so, things are going pretty well, and I'm talking to the pilot, and I gave Terry the cue, and he started the national anthem. Now, remember these pros, they had spent their careers listening to various abuses of the national anthem, innumerable versions. Well, when Terry began singing, all jaws dropped and heads snapped around. They, they were, it was an incredible event. They were wondering where this noise was coming from. And there was Terry belting out the national anthem with the only microphone. And we were all shocked. In, uh, in disbelief, there were, the neighborhood kids would come, many of the neighborhood kids would come uh, and want to watch the pros play. And so they were, there were a lot of neighborhood kids up in the bleachers. And when they heard this, uh, they were stunned, they were startled. They started scattering in fear for their homes. They didn't know what was going on. And so Terry ground his way through the national anthem, no Clyde. <laughs> well, so what had happened, I had a little miscommunication with the pilot. And so I cued Terry early. So he's finishing up the national anthem, and the pilot gets to me and says, okay, he's just jumped. And so I had to tell Terry to sing it again. <laughs> And, and the, the pros still have not forgiven me for that misstep.
Um, but uh, Terry did finally uh, get through the second version of the national anthem uh, to the gratitude of all of us. It was a merciful ending. And so I guess in short, what I would say is that it's, I think it's pretty, a pretty good bet that Terry did not sing his way into heaven. But it's almost a certainty that he organized the choir. <laughs> And cracker jacks. I don't care if I never get back. And it's root, root, root for the whole team. A shame. Two, three stripes here in the old ball game. Terry, without you around, there's a big hole in the world. We're going to miss you, buddy. All right. Thank you, Hall.
And now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Almighty God, who hast knit together thine elect in one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of thy Son, Christ our Lord, grant, we beseech thee, to thy whole church in paradise and on earth, thy light and thy peace. Amen. Grant that all who have been baptized into Christ's death and resurrection may die to sin and rise to newness of life, and that through the grave and gate of death we may pass with him to our joyful resurrection. Amen. Grant to us who are still in our pilgrimage and who walk as yet by faith that thy Holy Spirit may lead us in holiness and righteousness all our days. Amen. Grant to thy faithful people pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve thee with a quiet mind. Amen. Grant to all who mourn a sure confidence in thy fatherly care, that casting all their grief on thee, they may know the consolation of thy love. Amen. Grant us, with all who have died in the hope of the resurrection, to have our consummation and bliss in thy eternal and everlasting glory, and with all thy saints to receive the crown of life, which thou dost promise to all who share in the victory of thy Son, Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Give rest, O Christ, to thy servants with thy saints. Thou only art immortal, the creator and maker of mankind, and we are mortal, formed of the earth, and unto earth shall we return. For so thou didst ordain when thou createst me, saying, Dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Oh, we go down to the dust, yet even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Into thy hands, O merciful Savior, we commend thy servant, Terry. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech thee, a sheep of thine own fold, a lamb of thine own flock, a sinner of thine own redeeming. Receive him into the arms of thy mercy, into the blessed rest of everlasting peace, and into the glorious company 
of the saints in light. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost be amongst you and remain with you always. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Flexibility. Yeah. Thank you so much. See you.